if you can, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, I'm going to spend about 15 or 20 minutes, probably 20 minutes, uh, talking about uh, this Hebrews passage, and then I'm going to bring a couple guys up, and we're going to talk some practicality of this. Again, we've been talking the vision and mission stuff, and the question that I got a lot last week was, well, now what do I do? I want to be a part of what Redemption Peoria is doing, but how do I get involved? And I hope to be able to answer that question Uh, by the end of of today. Let me read the quote that I said I was going to start with that we finished with. It was the last thing that I shared with you in our time last week, which I know was a little bit longer, and I apologize for that. Shouldn't be the case today. It's from Russell Moore. It says this, A local church with all of its ridiculous flaws uh, is an unveiling of the mystery of the universe. It's a colony of the coming global reign of Christ, a preview of what his kingdom will look like in the end. Can we just stop and recognize the craziness of that? Um, Russell Moore is declaring that we as a people, the church, um, and he specifically uses the local church in Redemption Peoria, as messed up as it is, as, as often as we make mistakes, is what the end of the world should look like when it's all said and done. The beauty of the, 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 the millennial reign of Christ, the beauty of the, the kingdom of God coming, is what the church is supposed to look like right now. That's crazy. That's crazy. We are a colony of, of uh, a preview of what uh, the world is going to look like at that time. Saying I love Jesus but not the church is as irrational as saying to your best friend, I like you, I just can't stand being around you. Therefore, find a church where some people will know your name and will know if you aren't present. Spend time with people in your congregation who aren't in the same place in life as you. A lonely senior adult, a 30-something mom, a sarcastic 14-year-old. Humbly pester the leaders of the church for ways for you to exercise your gifts in the congregation and submit to letting the leaders recognize and encourage, uh, encourage them. The church may not uh, seem relevant in 21st century culture, but it's part of the unfolding mystery of the universe, and Jesus is there. So it's a big hype of what the church is, right? Not just the church, but the local church. And it's also a recognition of you can hear some, hey, get around people who aren't like you. You can hear some pester leaders about wanting to get involved. You, you can hear that, right? And so the question is, how do we do that? And I feel like the best way to articulate, um, the best way we know in Redemption Pure to do that is, is through Hebrews 10. Meaning, this is awesome. Sundays are awesome, and they're great for us to gather. But here's what you need to know and what we've said from day one since we've planted this church two and a half years ago. This is not the engine that drives us. We're grateful to be in Centennial. We're grateful to be able to gather, be together, to sing together, to sit under the word together. But our engine is found in living rooms. That's where our engine is. And so I want to talk about why that is. Because uh, I've had this verse used against me when I was first a Christian. If I ever said I wasn't coming to Sunday, right? And then there's this text, well, don't forsake the gathering of one another, right? And it's like, well, now I feel like a terrible human being, right? And it was always kind of used in that direction. So I want to talk about that verse and ultimately um, how we best see it uh, fit to be applied uh, in Redemption Peoria. So let's start in verses 19. We're going to go all the way through 25. A little misnomer. We're not going to spend a lot of time on 19 through 23. Our, our big uh, breadwinner is going to be verses 24 and 25. So let's do it. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since. Um, so whenever asked, what a therefore, we always say, what, a, what is a therefore, therefore, right? But this therefore is pretty interesting because it's therefore um, responding, looking back, but he's going to go, hey, since, right? So he's going to say, therefore, since this is true, 
Let's respond this way. Does that make sense? And there are two senses, S-I-N-C-E. There's two senses in that. You can see verse in, uh, first in verse 19 and then again in verse 21. This is the, the two senses, since these things are true. And then we'll get to the response in a moment. Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. So here's the declaration. Since this is true, since it's true, that Jesus, if you remember in the Gospels, the, the curtain was torn, and that we can now enter into directly to God the Father for, for him to hear our prayers because Jesus is our high priest. We talked a little bit about this, that we are a priesthood of believers. Since it's true that no longer you have to go through um, ceremonial washing or any of that, you can come directly to God because of what Jesus did, that your conscience is cleared, that, that, that the sin that you would carry is no longer present. Since that's true, since because Jesus did what he did, let us respond appropriately, okay? Now, we've got to start there, because if we jump to what I'm going to say in a moment, we're going we're gonna to miss something if we hear have-tos, and that's really important, because as you read verses 19 through 25 in Hebrews 10, I want you to notice something. There are no commandments. In Greek, these are called imperatives. There are no do this Everything that we're going to see in verses 23, 24, and 25 ultimately flow from, actually even starting in verse 22, all flow from what Jesus did, and then it's going to use three let us's. It's going to say, because Jesus did this, since Jesus did this, let us respond like that. And that's important. Because there are other passages that we could have read that command us to gather with one another. But the way that this is pocketed in Hebrews 10 is to say, look at the goodness of Jesus. See what he has done. Now respond to that, but not in a commandment way, but take advantage almost. So if I'm playing basketball, right, and someone throws in an errant pass and I get it, I don't go, well, dude, you gave me the ball. It's all right. Let's keep going. Okay, right? No, I take the ball to the other end of the floor. And, and at the end of the day, you don't need to hear shoulds or have-tos. This is, this is what you, you are supposed to do in this text. Because if you do, you're missing it. If this is not a response into what Jesus has done, if it is not a response, and I quote, reading it again, that we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Uh, if we don't see that, if we, if we, we don't recognize that's true, we're going to miss everything uh, that we need to see in the lettuces, the three lettuces. So let's pick it up. Verse 22, 23, 24, and 25. I'm going to read uh, 22 and 23 first, uh, and then we're going to hone in on verses 24 and 25. And I would argue these lettuces, these three lettuces in responding to these two senses, a lot of, a lot of numbers here, um, are, are compounding on one another. This is what it says. Verse uh, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So first and foremost, let's recognize, this is an Old Testament reference, that your sins have been sprinkled clean. You now stand before God the Father as righteous. So it's not that Jesus just provided the way. Well, now go. Now stay, go there, go. Your conscience has been cleared. And furthermore, listen to to verse uh, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So, so hear me, it's a response to what Jesus did. You recognize you stand before God righteous because Jesus is our high priest. Yet, yet here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. But you're going to forget that, bro. You're going to forget that. That confession, that hope that you have, guilt is ever going to be present. You remember what you did? 
Do you remember how you did it? No, no, no. Remember, look back. And slowly but surely, you're forgetting, right? You're not holding fast to this original confession to stay close to Jesus Christ. Now, I said these verses compound. Here's why this is all important, everything that we're talking about up to this point. It's because I think the next two verses let us know how to do that. If Jesus opened the way and we can draw near and we're supposed to draw near, not living in guilt, not living in burdens, not living in have-tos, because now we can sit here and our heart constantly wants to pull away, how do we stay there? How do we hold fast? And I think verses 24 and 25 help us get, it, get, get there. So this is what it says. Verse 24. This is where we're going to spend uh, the majority of our time. And let us, again, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. It's interesting. Um, the word consider, right? If you think, think deeply, it's more than just like, well, I'll consider that. It's think heavy, like heavily like contemplate this, right? So now we're thinking, we're thinking. Now, what are we supposed to be thinking about? For each other. We're supposed to be thinking, considering ways that we can stir up one another. Now, here's why I love this word, okay? This word stir up uh, is, if you were to transliterate it from Greek, is what we, where we get the word provoke from. Literally, incite. Uh, it actually appears only one more time in the New Testament, and it appeared in Acts 15. And if you remember the story of Paul and Barnabas, when they were together, right, they parted ways. And if you remember the language that was used, they had a sharp disagreement. That language, that sharp disagreement is one word in Greek. It's the same word here used that we translate stir up. It's the word provoke. Hey, hey, listen, I need you to think of ways to provoke one another, right? So, um, I don't know why I'm wired the way that I am, but I grew up around people who uh, are wired very in similar ways that um, I'm wired in such a way that like I can't, and it's not braggadocious at all, just hear this, for some reason I can't do things halfway. And I'm not saying like, well, and you guys do it, I do it full. I'm just saying whatever reason, when I'm doing something, like I've got to be all in. Hence me constantly, constantly yelling while I preach, right? Like, I just got to make sure you know, okay? Um, and so, so I, I, I'm wired in this way to like go hard in everything that I do. I can't do it halfway. And it's not like a better than, it's just a, I just, I don't know. I just can't do it. And I have a buddy who's an army ranger who's exactly like that. He's an army ranger, right? You know what that is, okay? So he's more of a physical specimen than I am, right? Which, you know, whatever. So... So, so him and I, in high school, we would play basketball together, right? And we'd play one-on-one, and we'd play to 100, and we'd play full court, right? And so we would go back and forth, over and over, until we couldn't breathe, until we were tired, but it didn't matter. And what, here's what's amazing about this. It was this, I don't care what you're bringing to the table. I'm going to beat you. We may have been friends for a long time, but I'm not losing, so you better bring your game right? And I'm going to play you. I'm going to pick you up at half court and I'm going to guard you. And I'm not going to stop until this game's over. And you may get up by a lot, but I promise I'll catch up. And it's this go, it's this go, it's this grit. It's this after it, after it. I'm inciting, I'm provoking, I'm stirring up what I possibly can get out of my friend in that moment. And, and, and this is beautiful, right? Because we think of community as he's talking about considering ways to love one another and serve one another. No, no, no. In this moment is, man, get in a room, around someone not like you, someone from a different socioeconomic class, a different background, a different political view, ways that you view uh, uh, same-sex marriage, ways that you view uh, uh, money, the way that you view uh, uh, sexuality in general, maybe the way that you view friendship, uh, political policy. Get in and hear this. Learn to provoke one another. That's crazy. Stir it up. Stir it up. Now, now this is all um, for a purpose, right? I'm not um, in a 
evil way, stirring up my friend as we continue to, to play basketball together. No, no, no. I'm trying to do something. I'm trying to get what's best out of him. And that's what we're to consider ways to provoke. You could literally sharply disagree with one another for a purpose. Here's the purpose. Listen to it. Again, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Hey, bro, like, I see how you're treating her, and that's not okay. Hey, hey, how, how you doing? And she responds, I'm okay. Well, what do you mean? No, nothing. No, no, no. We're not ending the conversation there. Like, I need to know what's going on. And you want to try to hide it and be selfish and be prideful and think you can handle it on your own. But no, I'm going to provoke you to love and good works. I want to get out. Let's, let's move on. Let's continue to do this together. So um, I gave an example about two months ago that I got from John Demeter about uh, glasses of milk. And if you were here, you might remember this. But um, the example that was given was there's this first glass of milk that has no chocolate in it. It's just a glass of milk. And if you can think of that as a a non-believer, someone who doesn't know Jesus. Then there's a second glass of milk that has chocolate poured into it, but it just goes to the bottom. That's like a believer who does not stir up the affections of the Holy Spirit in his life or her life, right? They're not doing anything. They have the Holy Spirit. They're Christian, but nothing's really happening. Then there's this third glass of chocolate milk that has the chocolate poured in it, and it's stirred up, right? It's drinkable at that moment. But the analogy that where I took it on my own is eventually you stop stirring the spoon and then the chocolate settles. And then you're just like the the person previous. You had something happen, but it's not continued stirred. And then there's a fourth glass of chocolate milk that that spoon doesn't stop moving. And we can walk away and it's true that, that our job is to stir our affections for Jesus as the Holy Spirit moves on us. But at the same time, hear me when I say this, that's also your job for me and my job for you that I'm to stir you up, that I'm, I, I, I'm to remind you, and you're to remind me, and we're to remind each other of what love and good works are. And it doesn't end there. If you can look at verse 25, it says this, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the, the last verse that, that we'll do, and I, I want to uh, pick it up at the back end because I think there's something uh, worth noticing there. Uh, the very end of that, I want you to hear all the more as the day is drawing near. His point is going, everything that we're talking about up to this, the, the, this uh, last part of this verse is putting in front of us this idea of like if you're in a spin class or pop Pilates or whatever it is, you'll hear. You can even see this on movies, right? Last 30 seconds, Last 30 seconds, give it all. The the, the time's going out. Whatever you've got left in the tank, now's the time to give it. So this is the premise, right? If you've ever watched a high school or college football game, as the the, uh, third quarter sounds, right, everyone starts lifting up their hands and goes fourth quarter. Because whatever you've got left, now's the time to give it. I was watching the Alabama game last night, and the strength and conditioning coach, every time Bama had the ball, just held up both hands fourth quarter. As a reminder, if you have anything left, now's the time to give it. And this is the writer of Hebrews. He's putting in front of us. If you've got whatever you've got in the tank, now's the time. All the more, all the more recognize the day is drawing near. Jesus is coming soon. We ain't playing games. Now, what he says in response to this, I think, is um, probably the most known of our passage. Verse 25, starting that section, says this, not neglecting to meet together. That word neglecting there. Um, is the same word that Jesus uses on the cross when talking to the Father. Quite literally translated, it means abandoned or forsaking. So, so the idea is that we do not forsake the gathering of one another. We don't e- abandon the gathering one an- of one another, that we are in this with each other. Now, now, he makes another really strong statement with the word that he uses in, as is the habit of some. So you hear the declaration. Let's not neglect gathering to one another, 
because it's, it is the habit of some to neglect gathering with one another. And this habit, um, unfortunately, we tend to think of habit as like outwardly, like I have habits, right, in the plural most, or that's a bad habit. But that's not biblically how, um, how the Bible processes the word habit. Habit has far more to do with a formative sense internally, meaning uh, the Greek word for habit is the word ethos. Can you hear that? It's, it's who you are. It's your ethos. It's, it's, it's the thing that you're about. And we tend to think that we can create habits far more than habits form us, meaning like, um, if you want to start working out, you're like, man, I just, I feel like I want to lose some pounds or I want to get stronger, whatever it is. You wake up tomorrow and you go, all right, I want to want to work out. Let's do this. Come on. Okay. And then you wake up Tuesday and you go, I really just want to want to work out. I need that desire to work out. Okay. And then Wednesday and then next week, and then we're in October and then you make a new year's resolution. You just really want to want to work out. And yet all the while you've done nothing. Now, now, you're not forming any habits in that moment. You're not making yourself want anything. But if you've ever got your butt off the couch and started working out when you didn't want to, day one, when you didn't want to, day two, when you didn't want to, week two, over and over and over, what you'll find is you're creating a palette for working out. You are being formed far more than you're forming your habits. Meaning, this word ethos, this, this idea of who you are, his declaration is here that, that people have made a habit of neglecting. So you like being isolated. You like not being in community because that's the palate you've created. That's the habit that has formed you. Now, hear me when I say this. There are Monday nights when my community meets that I don't want to have community. I don't want to go. I don't. But there has never been a time when I have felt that, that at the end of it, Candace and I, we get in bed and I go, I'm really glad we did that. Right? Because I've formed this habit. I look back and I go, man, I'm really grateful. And so um, what I want us to be aware of in this verse as we, uh, we finish this with verse 25 is that naturally your propensity is not going to want to be to gather with one another. It's, it's not going to want to be to do that. And you can create a habit of that. You can go, ah, and you make up an excuse. Ah, you make up another excuse. Ah, you make up a third excuse. And then slowly you've created it. Or you can press in, not neglect, not neglect a meeting. And then slowly but surely, that's the rhythm, right? I remember when we first planted our first community, it was just, I didn't have to say anything. We met on Friday nights and it was just a matter of, I, I can't do anything on Friday. Hey, let's go out. We're going Friday. I got community on Friday. There was no, like our community as a whole, we created a habit of meeting together on Fridays. That's just the way that it was. Now, again, if you hear have tos, you've missed it, but here's where I, I want to stop with that. Okay. Because I think at this point I can go, so here's the conviction of, of Hebrews 10, and here's the answer, redemption communities, okay? And that's not what I want to do, because um, I want to talk about redemption communities, and I want us to understand that redemption communities is something that Redemption Peoria uses, but here's what I need you to hear, okay? Redemption communities are not the answer to this. Redemption communities are not the answer to this. The answer to this is community. So some of you are already gathering with people. 
that you meet together, you're on mission with one another, you hold each other accountable, you study the Bible, you just have fun sometimes, you're in a healthy rhythm, say weekly or bi-weekly, that you're getting together with men and women that are not like you, that are pressing, and that's already happened, and you're not in a redemption community. Hear me when I say this, I'm not pressing redemption communities in that moment. We're not a cult. We don't think that you just have to be doing what we're doing. We are saying, though, you need to be in community, whether that's a redemption community or not. So you know that I, I love building things, right? If I'm trying to get a piece up on a wall, drywall, wood, whatever it is, the, the goal is to get the, the, the wood on the wall or the drywall on, on the wall. At the end of the day, I can use a drill. I can use a hand screw driver. I can uh, use a nail gun. I can use a hammer. Whatever means to get there. The goal is not that. Those are just tools. And for us, redemption, community, redemption communities are the tools. So, so, so I want to make sure that, you know, redemption communities, we're not like some cultish. You have to get in there. But hear this. For some of you, you don't have that. And some of you, you have created a habit of neglecting one another. And here's where this has trick, uh, become real tricky for, for, for you. You think this is that. But I, I, would, I would plead with you to reread that text and look hard and ask these questions. Are you provoking in someone else on Sunday mornings? Are you provoking love and good works? Are you encouraging people? Are you encouraged on Sunday mornings? Now, I'm not saying from a broad scope. I think us singing together and sitting under the word together is all very true and very formative. But to the level in which the Bible continues to press us into community, is that true? Are you just counting Sunday as it? And we would contend, if this is it, there is a big piece missing. So let me show you something that uh, we did last week. Um, the four, if you could put the highway up there, Stephen. Um, so uh, we, we get, I gave you four buckets last week if you were here. And, and the way that we process this is these four things are the things that we do. We're stupid, simple. We don't do a lot. Um, and these things that, that we feel like are um, our way to get you on the road to become a healthy disciple, to look like Jesus, right? So we don't do homogenized groups. We don't do extracurricular stuff. There's groups that form organically to all that, but that's not something we do as a church. We do four things. We do Sundays, RCs, classes, and leadership development. That's all we do. And we feel like that is pushing us towards the cross, okay? Now, RCs specifically, the reason RCs are there is so that you can be, do all the things that Hebrews 10 is talking about. But here's been the problem that we've noticed. As we've grown, RCs have not been effective in the way that we'd hoped they'd be effective because RCs have grown. So when we first started, we said we wanted redemption communities to be like 12 to 15 people, right? At most, 15 people. And as they get there, we don't like that. We don't like that. Okay, here's, here's the reality. I don't know if there's any community that is 12 to 15 people. They're all over 12 to 15 people. Some are like 40 to 50 to 60 people, right? Some communities have like 35 adults and like 25 kids. So it's, they're huge. There's these, and so it's hard for you or I to walk into a group that's been together for six months, a larger group, in some ways a healthy clique, and to kind of get involved. But it's a lot easier when, when, when that group's 10, right? And so... Um, I mentioned that John Demeter, he's coming on to staff as an executive pastor to oversee uh, um, all these things and specifically hone in during this season of, of, of his work for redemption communities and Sunday operations. And as we sat down, my heart really began to get joyous because as we talked about what redemption communities look like, I started to feel the sense that I felt very early on. Meaning very early on, we celebrated multiplication. I remember being excited about going from one community to two to three to four. And it's hard. There's no question it was hard. We don't get to hang out with the Neelys like we used to or hang out with the Harders like we used to. That's there. That's on the table. But we also recognized as we were celebrating what was going on that there were people 
that didn't have what we have, that they can now have a community with us. So we were multiplying, but, but as communities have grown, we've become a, a little more ingrown, a little more introspective, and they become about us. And so it's harder to split. So those communities have grown and grown and grown and grown. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go back to celebrating multiplication. We know there are some of you who want to be in a community, but it's like jumping on a highway real fast, and it's not easy for you to do. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, in a second, I'm going to bring up John Demeter, and he's going to bring up some new communities that we're planning. We're going to be doubling our communities before we hit uh, 2018. But the purpose is not so we can say we have twice as many communities. The purpose is to get us around the numbers where we feel like 10 or 15 people is healthy. But, but here's how we're going to do to mitigate that. As a community hits about 15 people for a couple weeks in a row, we're going to say, hey, listen, you're on the clock. It's time to, to multiply out. It's time to go out, and, and I know it's difficult, but we'll take that community of, say, 16 people. Eight are going to go this way. Eight are going to go that way, and now we have smaller communities. And then guess what? Those communities are going to grow. When they hit 15 people, then we're going to spread out, and we're going to do this again, which means, man, if you've been kind of um, nonchalantly a part of a community, uh, that season is no more. It means all of us together have to be all in. All of us together have to look like, what would it mean to open my house what would it mean to lead a community? What would it mean to just be a part of a community that's starting? So the Myers community in three weeks is planning out um, Zach Toby as the leader, the Hrinics, Brian and Carolina who are, are hosting, and Jason Miller who's a leader that comes alongside them. Right? So, so maybe, so Jason's not leading and he's not hosting, but he's a huge asset to that community. So maybe that could be you. Maybe you have a house. You're like, I could not lead the discussions that go on, but I can open my home. So I want you to know that going forward, that, that is how we're going to do it. And I'm going to bring John Demeter up in a second. But there is one community that is unique from all of the others, um, and that is our youth RC. So Marshall can come up real quick. Um, we felt like as we navigated the community conversation, um, something we recognized is um, a 13-year-old, there's a huge uh, division from a junior hire to somebody who is 18 and older. And so um, we, we really tried to process what does it mean to have a youth ministry and we didn't want to do a traditional youth ministry because everything funnels through those things, right? So where is there room to do this youth ministry? And we felt like, let's pocket it in RCs. Let's create a redemption community that's for RCs. And then let's see if it grows, right? And so Marshall has volunteered a while ago, maybe a year ago, to head that all that up. And I know a lot of you guys have questions about all that. So I have Marshall up here predominantly so you can see who he is, right? Because you know who he is, which, Marshall, you're a good-looking guy. And... and and you're single and rich, correct? <laughs> okay? Okay? So, and you love Jesus. So, like, <laughs> ladies, I'm just saying. Okay? Uh, it's like, I don't understand what's, what's the problem here. Okay? Um, so, 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 Marshall, here's what I would ask you. Can you tell us, you're going to be kicking things back up in the fall, share a little bit of what's going to be happening with the Youth RC, maybe multiplication, all that kind of stuff, just share where you're at. Yeah, so um, not this coming Wednesday, the 6th, but the following, the 13th, we're going to have our first um, first meeting as the Youth RC for this school year. Um, and right now, um, we're going to meet together 6th through 12th grade students. Um, but the vision for this is just like adult RCs that will um, will multiply and have multiple different RCs on different nights of the week in different areas in the Valley, or, um, in the West Valley, so that um, different families can get involved in different places, what works um, for them, because obviously um, a 13-year-old is not going to be driving to RC. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's, that's the vision for this. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. Yeah, and I think a big part of hearing that, too, is to recognize 
junior hires and high schoolers, eventually hopefully making two different groups and all that. And I want you guys to know that if you're parents and you have a junior high or high school student, it's important for you to recognize two things. One, man, this thing is just getting off the ground. Marshall has been spearheading this with a group of people that I think are doing really, really well. So maybe you can rally around him. But the second thing is I need you to know as you see him, he is 100% volunteer, okay? So some of you guys are super anxious as you have a junior high or high school student. You're going, let's get this thing moving. What's the next thing? Check this out. The dude goes to school and he works. Everything else he's volunteering towards the church. So tons and tons of grace for him as he continues to process next steps. Because there's a lot of things that are coming together that are really, really cool. And we want to see that. So you're going to be out in the lobby, right? Uh, uh, giving out information. If anybody has questions, any ladies want to come up, get numbers, whatever. We'll just work all that out. So... However we want to uh, play that out. So, cool. Uh, that's good. Thank you, Marshall, for, for that. Um, next, I, I want to bring up uh, John. That was the main reason. The Youth RC was just a, a yeah, we, we're excited to announce it. Uh, here, John. Sorry. Uh, this is John. Uh, a lot of you guys know him. He's an elder, and he just uh, came on as staff. Uh, John's going to walk us through, like, kind of what now, right? So every Sunday we've gotten up and we've said, Texas number to get in an RC and, and do all these things. We're changing that as we've grown. So John's going to lay some of that out, the multiplication of communities, all that stuff. Two things. Sorry, Marshall. <laughs> Sorry about that on behalf of our pastor. Um, secondly, one-on-one -on -one to 100 full court next week. One-on-one -on -one full court? You, you would not be able to hang. We'll come back I play one-on-one -on -one with Army we'll, Rangers. We'll come back. So. That's good. Yeah. My brother was a Navy SEAL, so we can, I mean, we'll have that. Anyway, that's not why I'm up here. Okay. Um, I want you to remember the first time you learned how to drive. Those of you who can drive. You remember that moment. My brother was a year and a half older than me. He's 16. He comes in one day in the middle of the afternoon. I'm 14. He goes, hey, I'm going to teach you how to drive today. Let's go. I said, okay. So we go outside, and my mom has her company car, a white Ford Escort, and I get in the driver's seat, and he teaches me how to drive. We just drive around the block a couple times, basically. Now, my oldest son is 14, and so we're about to have that type of instruction and it wouldn't really make much sense if I got in the car with my son and I drove over here to the 101, and right before we got on to the freeway on the on-ramp, I said, okay, we're switching seats. It's your turn to drive. Never driven, let's go. Trial by fire. Like, that, that probably wouldn't be very wise. We're going to start in a parking lot. We're going to start in the neighborhood, and then we'll eventually move to side streets. The reason I'm saying that is because as we've grown as a church, as Sean mentioned, now our highway is like a freeway, the mass amount of people involved in our church. And so we really need to have an on-ramp for new people instead of just what we used to do when we were small enough to say, hey, here's the list of communities, go get involved. And it was just kind of on you. Well, the problem was, again, our communities were ballooning to the point of not functioning the way we were desiring them to function. So now, as we've begun to grow, I've gone around to other redemption congregations in the valley and said, hey, how do you guys do this? What does this look like? What are good things we can learn from you? And so every fairly large congregation in redemption does some form of this, and it's going to be called our Start Here class. So as you see, uh, if you go to the next slide, it's going to be kind of an on-ramp for our freeway towards discipleship. And so every time you hear, you're still going to hear, get involved in RC. That's what we're going to push you to. The way you do that now as you go to the Start Here class. The Start Here class is a three-week class. It'll meet on a Sunday right now, so it'll meet during second service for three weeks in a row. It's going to start in October. Our goal is to start a new Start Here class the first Sunday of every month. So if it gets filled up or you don't have time to sign up or maybe you're gone in one of those weeks in October, just sign up for the one in November. 
and so it will continue to be on a rotation. That way, during that class, you're going to hear some history about Redemption Church. We're going to get to know you a little bit. We're going to let you know us. We're going to set expectations for what does it look like walking into community? What are the expectations? We're going to dive deeper into all of those buckets up there in that Start Here class, and then we're going to give next steps. This is how you can get involved in the RC. This is how you can serve. Just going to be a lot cleaner. We're hoping to give it a lot more fruit in the long run. So the Start Here class, the way you can do that, there's cards outside at the Connect desk. Let's say Start Here. It's got a little elevator pitch on the back of what it is, and then it's got the web address from where you can go and register. And go and register. If you're new here and you're figuring, how do I jump on this freeway, that's the way you're going to do it. Okay, so with that said, and I'll be out there if you have any questions about that, but we're going to continue to push people, new people towards the Start Here class. It's really, really going to be helpful. With that said, if you are new as a leader, once you make your way up here, we've got some new community leaders in the room. Yep, come on, I see you sitting there. Don't be timid. Yes, because we're continually to ask God to raise up new leaders so that we can have more RCs, as Sean mentioned, not for the sake of having them, but for the sake of giving more room so you can invite your coworker, you can invite your neighbor, you can invite your um, family member to your RC. Now, this isn't all the new leaders. Some of them are here in the first service. Some of them are serving right now. But we would just want you to see their face, get to know who they are, hear their name, and then we want to pray for them specifically as elders. So just introduce yourself and pass the mic down. Hi, I'm Manny Dominguez. Jackie Dominguez. Kim Toby. Tim Toby. Jason Summers. Joanna Summers. I'm Nick Carlisle. And I'm Lauren Carlisle. That's good. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to pray for them. Uh, and we're praying for them. And they're up here not just so you can go join their RC, but we want to commission them out. As a church, as elders, we recognize they can lead, and God has gifted them that way. So we're going to take a moment and just pray for them as some of them take over existing RCs, plant new RCs, all that. So, Jim, please. Father, we're grateful for the troop of people who are in front of our Lord, we want to lift them up to you and pray for them as they begin their communities here in the next week or so. Father, we pray that you would uh, walk close to them and they would to you. Father, for the relationships that will be built, for the laughter that will happen, for the prayer that will happen, for the service that will happen, Lord, we uh, want to thank you for that already. And then, Lord, when the time is to multiply, Lord, not easy. But, Father, we know that that's your desire for us to continue to reach out. So, Lord, we just pray for your presence in these homes and in these leaders, Lord, as they move forward. And we're grateful for them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Um, As they're stepping down, I want you to know a question that I get a lot is, hey, where can I do serve the city stuff or mission stuff? Where can um, I be held accountable or where can we do Bible studies? From now on, just know, the answer is always to that has been redemption communities. But now, if you're new, it's going to start with that start here stuff. So so you can know a little bit about us. It removes the attrition of people just kind of, I just want to nonchalantly so you can learn all of that stuff. If you guys want to come up, I don't know if John went down or not, if he's still there. Um, here's the last thing we're going to do, and then I'm going to pray, and then, and then I promise we're done. Um, you know, you're going to hear over the next couple of weeks uh, uh, stuff about membership as well. And I know John's going to touch on the membership stuff. Uh, at the end of the start here stuff. Uh, We want you as a congregation to be aware uh, that 
as far as all that stuff goes and questions of membership, what it means to be involved, how our philosophies are being discussed and decided, um, that us four as men um, are the elders of, of Redemption Peoria. And you might not know that, so we thought it would be a good opportunity with the growth for some of you who are new to know who us four are. And so this is Vincent Clark, John Demeter, you just know, and, and Jim Ellis. And I want you to be aware that we are not just in name being led plurally, okay? Meaning when we come to the table and we have a conversation about something we want to do, Sean Myers, the lead pastor, gets one vote. He gets one vote, okay? I don't have any more say or any, or any trump card. There's no executive order when it comes to, to the way that we operate. Vincent has just as much say. He's not on staff and not paid as I do. That together we are uh, uh, the four elders. And um, as we continue to process, we want you to know that we're um, on the works and in conversations of identifying other elders because our congregation is growing. But I want you guys to know who these guys are. So uh, for, for two reasons, one, just so that you can, uh, they can be visible up here, but two, maybe you got questions as of today. So I think our leaders, uh, we feel very confident in, our, uh, uh, confident in our leaders that they will know some of the answers, but there's certain things they might not know. Us four should be able to walk you through anything. So feel free to ask us about everything there is to know about Redemption Peoria, who we are. We feel like a big part of being elders is having our life on display. We want to be able to be vulnerable in those ways. So I want to pray for us as elders, um, us as a church, because this is a, a good two Sundays for us to be able to process all that. And then we'll have our time of response together. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Um, we, together as a church, uh, just, I lift up myself, Jim, John, and Vince. Um, that's we are desperately uh, in need of you and that um, we're flawed and we sin and we make mistakes. Um, but Jesus, I, I pray that we would be first and foremost the people that are running to the cross every time those moments happen. I pray for our families, our kids. Um, I pray for protection over us, God, that uh, spiritually um, the enemy would not have his way. We pray for your will to be done in our lives. I pray for um, wisdom, and as, as we guide, guide the church and that you would guard us as a, as a body, I pray that the conversations that we've had these last two Sundays, they really would be pocketed in the fact that you are in control, that you are the one that deserves glory, that all the mis mission and vision and ways that we're going to do and start here in communities, it really is pointless without you. So be with us as we move forward as a church. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.